Hi, and welcome to the Right to Life of Michigan's Life Beat podcast. I'm your host, Anna Visser. Today, we are doing a faith and life interview. Joining me for the interview, we have Father Jim Lowell, who is the parish priest at St. Scholastica in Detroit, Michigan. Father Jim is also a priest in the Communion of the Cross. Thank you, Father Jim, for being here today. We are so excited to have you. Yeah, you're welcome. It's good to be here. So I just have a couple of general questions for you today, and hopefully by sharing your experiences and advice, we can inspire some communities or some listeners out there. So to start out, what is your story? Why are you pro-life? How did you become pro-life? I have a pretty unique story. Um, So Uh, I'm the youngest of five children in my family, and uh, my brothers and sisters were praying for another baby, and my mom would repeatedly tell them, oh, I'm getting too old, you know, I don't think I'm going to have any more babies, Uh, but they prayed anyway, and uh, sure enough, at about the age of 39, turning into 40, uh, my mom conceived and uh, I came into being and uh, their prayers were answered. So that was kind of the beginning of the journey. Um, and probably a little a little way through her pregnancy, there was a neighbor that came over and um, this was right uh, in 1974. So um, this was uh, just after uh, Roe v. Wade. And the person actually told my mom, uh, you already have four children, you're too old, you need to take care of that problem. And she said, oh, no, it's not a problem. You can leave now. You can go home. Thank you for coming. Um, And she kind of politely asked him to leave. And thankfully, um, that's kind of the environment I came up in. Um, My family was pro-life. My mother was pro-life. Very, very good, faithful Catholic. Um, So you kind of fast forward quite a few years. Um, I went away to university and started getting exposed to a lot of different ideas about all kinds of things at university and um, started kind of changing and shifting to the pro, oh, it's uh, a woman's choice, you know, pro-choice. And I remember another time involving my mother uh, where we, I came home for a, a break from class and I was in the backseat of the car. And uh, I told my mom and dad that I was pro-choice and I'll never forget it as if it were yesterday. She just kind of turned around and looked at me and said, I will never say this again, but at this moment, I am not proud to say that I am your mother hearing you say that. And that kind of pierced me to the core. You know, I, I hearing that from my own mother was just, wow, that's pretty powerful. You know, it didn't change the way I thought right away. But, um, you know, I, I just kind of had to like reconcile with that. I was never quite like, never, ever in favor of abortion, never, ever promoting it, never, ever advocating for it. But I was part of that camp that kind of said, well, you know, it's their choice and who might have gotten away of it. And um, thankfully, that was a very, very short period of my life. (laughs) And uh, I I was actually um, convicted after a conversion in my heart. I had an experience of God in the Sunday mass through the Eucharist that just completely radically changed my whole entire way of thinking, my whole entire way of being. Um, And I just was never the same after that. It was 
a, a very powerful encounter with with Jesus in the Eucharist. And from that point forward, um, there was no more thoughts like that. Uh, but the real conversion, the real change kind of took place when I um, joined the seminary and I was in my first year and all of the seminarians and the priests in our community were going to a prayer chain and we were all asked to hold these signs and, um, uh, and, and pray in, in, along the street. And the only sign they had, there was just one sign for everyone that says, abortion kills babies. And I was like, oh, I don't, I don't know if I can hold this sign because like, what if there are people driving by that have had abortions and are, are wounded and, and are really hurting inside and they see this sign and it, it, it might hurt them even more, you know? So I, I, I prayed and I gathered up the courage and I held the sign and I started praying the rosary and about halfway through that rosary, I just started crying. And I started thinking about the babies and I started thinking about the mothers and I started thinking about all the people that have uh, needlessly died. And it just was such a moving and a powerful experience for me. And at that moment, that was the first time that I really saw abortion for what it is, which is killing innocent babies. They are victims of our own decisions that we make when we choose abortion. So from that point forward, I didn't mind calling it what it is. And I didn't mind even holding up signs that say abortion kills babies. But at the same time, I never lost that compassion for the woman uh, or the or even sometimes the fathers are also wounded at times when they go through with abortions. I've met several fathers who have been uh, very badly wounded by supporting that and even encouraging that in their um, girlfriends or wives. So I kind of feel like at this point, I've got both the conviction of the reality and the ugliness and the sinfulness of abortion, but also the compassion for the human condition and even the compassion for what some people find themselves, circumstances within which they find themselves that can be very difficult for us to judge um, who have never actively participated in abortion. Um, and so I've participated in um, Project Rachel retreats with confessions. I've helped out with various different um, ways of healing uh, people who have experienced pain from the loss of um, abortion. And so um, that's kind of my short story. I could say so much more. Uh, one other powerful experience I had that I'm going to add um, that has fueled this desire to be bold and speak out boldly about abortion is um, when I was down in Houston, Texas, I uh, was asked to celebrate a mass for survivors. And I thought it was like babies who they attempted abortions on and they survived until I got there. And I said, okay, can you explain to me what this mass for survivors is? And they said, anyone born after the Roe v. Wade is a survivor. And that just blew me away. I thought, oh man, that's crazy. So I'm a survivor because I was born after Roe v. Wade. In fact, that really hit home because if my mom listened to that guy, which thankfully she didn't, I wouldn't be a survivor. And that really just kind of blew my whole category that anyone who's alive in the world today since Roe v. Wade is a survivor 
of abortion. So there's been a lot of little experiences like this, a lot of powerful experiences praying in front of uh, abortion clinics, um, powerful experiences with um, just prayer, prayer in general and interceding that have contributed to my conviction to um, not be silent. I've been to Washington, D.C. several times with the March for Life. Um, I had uh, opportunity to bring letters to um, senators and um, share my conviction with them. And I felt like that was powerful as well. Wow, that is an amazing story. Thank you for all that you do and for sharing it. You're welcome. Um, so I know that you mentioned that in college, you you had this thought of, you know, I'm pro-choice because it's the woman's choice. And I think, um, I think there are some people out there who, who view that as a compassionate stance to take. And, you know, maybe even some people who do have faith and, you know, go to church regular, regularly or, or not, maybe um, they have this belief that they are being compassionate by allowing the woman to have a choice. And so it kind of seems like that's, that's the belief that you gained from college. What would you say to people of faith who, who believe that now? Well, I would say that every single baby that is conceived regardless of the circumstances of the pregnancy is created in the image of God and likeness of God and has a purpose and a plan. God has a purpose and a plan for every single human life that was conceived. So we have to really look at the choice of that baby, that child. Uh, it's not my choice to terminate somebody else's life. And in choosing abortion, I'm choosing to terminate another human person, another human being's life. So, you know, I'm just going to quote from Genesis chapter one. It says, God created man in his image, in the image, in the divine image, he created him, male and female, he created them. So, this kind of tells us like, hey, every single human person that's conceived is created in the divine image of God. And therefore, who are we to take that life away from the God-given purpose and the God-given plan that is set out for that person? And I also like to quote um, Jeremiah. I love Jeremiah. He's one of my favorite prophets, but particularly in this first chapter, it's my favorite pro-life verses it says before i formed you in the womb i knew you before you were born i dedicated you a prophet to the nations i appointed you so god had a plan for him before he was even born before he was even conceived and there are a lot of other scriptures that talk about god's plan uh, god's purpose um, being chosen, being called, pre being destined for his plan and purpose. So I would try to tell people that, you know, um, have you considered that maybe that life in that womb has a purpose and that God has a plan? And who am I to say that because this woman is making a choice 
it's okay to terminate an innocent life of an innocent human being that doesn't have a voice of his own or a voice of her own to, to defend himself or defend, defend herself. So I think that's a pretty solid um, biblical and even anthropological approach to take that would be really hard for people to argue with if they're open at least to hearing that approach. Yeah, and you know, I think, I think a lot of people forget to have compassion for the woman, for what they're going through, for, you know, the hurting that they have felt if they've had an abortion. And so I really love that you've kind of focused your ministry, it almost seems like, on trying to help these women and not just condemn them because it you know on the surface it seems easy to just blame them but when you go deeper it is so important to change their heart to to see that you know they're hurting and that they also need help as well and so I really love that that seems to be a part of your story and a part of your ministry as a priest yeah and I think it's important that uh, whenever we preach about abortion, um, that we always include in there uh, the, the harm caused and even acknowledge that there are likely people in the room that may have had abortions or participated in abortions and, um, and acknowledge the pain and the, the suffering that comes from that and acknowledge that there is healing possible, that there is an opportunity for God to come into their lives and, and bring them to a place of... Uh, a place of healing, a place of wholeness, a place of um, moving on from something that in many cases has been um, a heavy burden for many years. So consistently giving that message with the pro-life message is very important for me personally, and uh, I think ought to be important for anyone who's speaking out, um, advocating for life. Yeah, definitely, I agree. Um, so it seems like you are very involved in the pro-life movement and you kind of incorporate it into your homilies and into your preaching. So what would you say are some unique ways that your parish participates in the pro-life movement and um, keeps trying to fight for life? Um, probably I would say the number one most important thing that I can do as a priest is to consistently preach a message that talks about the uh, dignity of the human person, you know, and even if it's not necessarily a pro-life message, um, there are a lot of different aspects of life from the point of natural conception to natural death that fall under this category of pro-life. And so um, I think as often as possible in my homilies, reminding people of the dignity of the human person, reminding people that in baptism we're children of God, reminding people that we're in the image of God, that we're growing each day by the grace of God more and more and more in the likeness of God, and that, we that he has a plan and a purpose for each and every one of us. And whenever possible, including the unborn, um, and also the prayers of the faithful. Um, every single week, we've got a, a, an intention in the prayers of the faithful that 
um, specifically mentions uh, the unborn and protecting the sanctity of human life. Um, also, another thing that's important is taking advantage of the uh, times of year when the church has um, is pointing towards life, like, for example, October, Respect Life Month. Um, the first Sunday of Respect Life Month uh, this year, our deacon uh, gave a homily on abortion, a full homily on abortion. It was very powerful, very direct, very, very honest, and it, it really laid it out for what it is. And he spoke from his own personal perspective, and he talked about his own experience of going out and um, praying with people um, in front of the clinics and um, his own sort of way of doing things as a deacon. So, so that's really important. And I think also whenever there's an important legislation coming up or something that requires the, the, the response of the people, making sure that we have that in the bulletin, making sure that we're announcing it after mass, making sure that we're telling people, call your senators, call your congressmen and women. For example, when we had this petition drive that was um, trying to ban um, partial birth um, or dismemberment, abortion by dismemberment, um, we had uh, Right to Life come out um, two weekends in a row, and we had a table at both uh, entrances to the church, and um, we had people putting their names and signatures on there, and I um, preached on it and tried to encourage people about it. Um, people need to know what's going on. Most people will not know because most of our media does not make reference to any of these things, um, and people aren't going to hear about it unless we speak about it in the church, unless we speak about it um, at Mass and from uh, the, the homily or announcements or the bulletin or emails or whatever else we can. Uh, I've given up on Facebook. They pretty much shut anything related to pro-life down as soon as you share it so yeah unfortunately uh, that's been a little bit frustrating but there are a lot of other ways in which you can get it out email um preaching all these other things yeah and our our right to life of michigan facebook is a great tool to use for that to just reshare some of the things that we posted because weirdly enough we haven't gotten banned yet um so when that's great, that's a huge blessing. Um, so if anyone would like to start sharing things on their Facebook and are feeling courageous and brave, you're more than welcome to repost or comment or like any of the things. And then you can kind of get that out to your, to your followers and your friends as well. Um, but for some of the people that may be listening, and they want to start incorporating um, the, the concept of the dignity of human life. What are some points? I know you mentioned that you, that you talk about this a lot in your homilies and you preach about it a lot. And it's not necessarily always about abortion. It's, but it has a kind of an underlying tone of the, the dignity of the human life. What are some ways that people, priests, pastors can incorporate that into their preaching using other topics? Well, that's a great question. Yeah, it's important for me when I do mention abortion, and some pro-lifers have issue with this when I do it, but I try to mention some of the other areas such as um, euthanasia, um, even 
even things like racism, um, discrimination, um, things like Christian persecution or um, a lot of other areas where the human person is really not being respected. Uh, it's important to put those other categories in there as well. And uh, especially the other intrinsic evils. Uh, abortion is, is an intrinsic evil as, as taught by the Catholic Church and is um, objectively wrong and is never acceptable under any circumstances whatsoever. And um, people need to hear that. that it's got a different Sometimes people are like, well, you're a, a, a one issue or whatever. Well, it's a pretty important issue. That's why right. yeah. it's, uh, it's a little bit more serious than some other issues. So um, you have to just look at the sheer number of people who have um, died from abortion and look at um, just how, how powerful this uh, abor abortion actually is and, 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 and how the person... Uh, it's, it's the only category of persons where literally that person does not have a voice to depend defend himself or herself. Um, they're in the womb. They, they can't speak up for themselves. Um, there are other categories of persons that are uh, alive that are in the same circumstance, um, but not nearly as many as unborn babies in the womb. That's a very, very, very large number of people. Um, and so I think that's why it needs to get the focus that it does. But yeah, mentioning these other areas, very important, have to mention them. Um, can't just skim over all the other areas that uh, require our attention as well. Otherwise, we're not doing our job. Another thing that is extremely important, and I'm a firm believer in this, is um, mentioning the fact that we must not only speak out against abortion, but we must also speak about ways in which we can help pregnant women before, during, and after abortion. Because um, a lot of people with this criticism are correct. They say, well, it's easy for you to say, you know, that I'm supposed to keep my baby, but who's gonna, who's gonna help me bring this baby up and who's gonna support me financially and who's gonna, who's gonna do the things that I can't do you know, for myself? Well, the answer is a lot of people. <laughs> there are many organizations that are out there that will help you. And I try to um, have a list, you know, where um, if if people really need help, I say, okay, look, here's a whole bunch of agencies right here in Detroit. Yeah. yeah. Uh, give them a call and and, uh, and 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 know that if you need help, we will even put you with people who will help you find these agencies, you know. Um, so I think that's really important when you're talking about the unborn is the mother or the father. Um, putting them with the correct resources that they need is extremely important. And we have a great resource called Help in a D. It's a website and it lists every single pregnancy resource center that's in Detroit. Is there any advice that you would give to priests or pastors who haven't really talked about this a lot but they feel a conviction to talk about it and they just don't they don't know how to go about it maybe yeah I can just say one thing don't be afraid of what it might do to the people hearing the message if it's a prayerfully discerned message and it's given in charity and in love 
you can't go wrong. You know, you can't worry about what people might think or how people might feel or whether somebody might might get upset or not get upset. The truth is important to proclaim in charity. And if we aren't proclaiming the truth in charity, we're not doing the fullness of what we're supposed to be doing um, as God's messengers, you know? And so I think always truth in charity, truth in love, not judgmental, not condemnational, not kind of putting people into a category with scarlet letters on their, you know, big, big S on their chest. No, we're all sinners, right? Um, the thing is, we've got to continue to just do it in charity and not worry about what the people might think. I've never in my 10 plus years as a priest ever had somebody come up to me and say anything negative or critical about talking about abortion. I've only had positive comments and people thank me for speaking the truth. Never. That's awesome. Is there any upcoming events that um, maybe people in your community, people that live in the area of your parish could, could know about to get involved in the pro-life movement? Uh, we don't currently have anything planned, but I did just learn of a pregnancy crisis center that is literally a stone throw from the abortion clinic um, just six blocks away from our parish. And so I'm hoping to be able to develop a little bit of a partnership with that pregnancy crisis center, Christian pregnancy crisis center and support them and even like see what we can do to stand in front of the clinic and send them next door to the pregnancy crisis center. And another thing that I'm hoping to do, and I, I just need prayer for this to be able to get to uh, the, find the time and resources is to get one of those buses out there, you know, one of those um, Knights mm -hmm. of Columbus um, ultrasound buses and just park it literally right on the street in front of the clinic and send women to the bus, you know, because they'll do yeah. it. Tell them where, they, where you want them to go. They'll go there. And um, I just think if we can kind of start doing things like that, it's not currently planned, but um, there are some people in my parish that are very strong, strong uh, pro-lifers that would get behind something like that. Well, I'll be praying for you. And I hope that that all works out. I know that those buses have a great success rate for helping women. And so I, if you guys do start it, just let us know, because that would be really awesome. Great, I will. And one thing, that, one last thing I do have to say is, um, you know, I think priests, we can get very busy with um, very good things, you know, sacramental life of the church running a parish. And sometimes even though we have a very strong conviction for life, uh, we can neglect the going out and um, being in the place where men and women are going for an abortion. And so I'm going to consider this a challenge to myself, but also a challenge to anyone else, lay people, clergy, whoever, find out where the local clinic is and go pray silently and be ready to intercede on behalf of those mothers and fathers and on behalf of those babies, because that witness of just being out there goes a long way I've learned and uh, maybe we'll never talk to anybody but um, just standing in the gap and uniting ourselves with Jesus and and trusting 
people to the Lord is the most important thing we can do. And I have one more thing I want to add. I, I, uh, you may have to cut something else out somewhere else, but, <laughs> but uh, I do have one more thing I want to add. Okay. I think the most important thing that we can do as Christians or any people of faith and goodwill, anybody who believes in God and prays to God, is we can pray for conversion of hearts of anyone who is advocating for abortion, anyone, whether it's the politicians, whether it's the lobbyists, whether it's Planned Parenthood, whether it's um, who knows who's behind all of this. I don't know. I just know there's very wealthy, powerful people that are forcing abortion all over the world in areas that don't want it. And thanks be to God, there are parts of the world that are saying, no, we don't want it and are putting their foot down. But there's lots of other parts of the world that aren't. And if we pray for the conversion of hearts, like Saul of Tarsus, who was convinced that it was the will of God to kill Christians who encountered Christ and had a conversion of heart, became Paul, one of the greatest apostles of the church. Anything's possible through prayer. Who was praying for Saul of Tarsus? Stephen, while he was being stoned to death, was praying for his persecutors while he was looking up to heaven. And I believe because of the prayers of Stephen and others like Stephen, for those like St. Paul, who were convinced that the will of God was to kill innocent people, just like a lot of these people who are pro-abortion are convinced that it's the will of God to kill innocent babies, through the power of prayer, hearts can be changed. And when hearts are changed, there's no turning back. My heart was changed. <laughs> Look at me today. You know, so I just really feel strongly about that. That's probably the most powerful thing we can do and the most effective thing we can do. Yes, especially right now. So that wraps up all of our time together. Um, thank you so much for sharing your story, for sharing your advice. And I hope that um, this can inspire someone out there listening to, you know, start speaking about this if they feel conviction to do that. So thank you, Father Jim, so much for joining me today and for being on our Life Beat podcast. We really enjoyed having you. You're welcome. And so we're going to wrap that up. I hope that everyone has a great weekend and thank you for joining me.